You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. Uh, some things have happened in the meantime. Uh, the schedule was released, so we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, some of the, well, some broad strokes, and some storylines heading into the summer. Uh, but first and foremost, we're not completely blind to other sports. I think it sounds that way most of the time. And yeah, we're pretty much a football show, obviously. But with the NBA finals going on right now, or semifinals, um, just wanted to hit on that a little bit because I guess there are some some parallels to the NFL. But I look at the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler and what they're doing. Uh, now, obviously, I mean, they, I think they played in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. But this year, you know, they were uh, the eight seed. They were play. They lost their first play in game. I think half the squad is like undrafted free agents, which I guess in football parlance, it would be like, I don't know, having one of the top quarterbacks, but then 30 guys on the roster, are UDFAs and, you know, the development that they do in Miami, you got to give it to Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. I don't know that he's ever gotten his just due as a coach, but I think he's starting to get it now. And team teams are really, starting to understand and people and media and fans are saying like, okay, there's just something different. When this team hits the floor, they're going to have a chance to win no matter who the hell they're playing against. Uh, now, obviously they've got Bam out of bio as well, and he's, he's playing pretty well, but uh, they win the first two games in Boston. As we record here on Sunday, they played game three tonight at home. So just I, I, hats off, you know, Jimmy freaking buckets, man. I mean, he, he's got that team rolling. But again, you got Duncan Robinson, who really didn't play much this year. Hero gets hurt. And now Robinson gets thrust back into the fray and he's drilling threes like it's nobody's business. Caleb Martin from the University of Nevada, another undrafted guy, is playing really well. Gabe Vincent Another guard playing really well, hitting timely threes. And, you know, if I miss somebody, I apologize. But they just – an easy team to root for because they don't have, I guess, a bunch of known stars, quote, on air quotes, if you would. But Jimmy Butler is just proving every single time he's in the playoffs that that is a dude. That is somebody that you can build around. I don't know what the Sixers were thinking about back a few years ago. Uh, but here we are. And they're just I, total respect there. I mean, I don't know, Alex, what would you compare this to? I mean, I, half the team's undrafted. I would compare this probably to the run that, and you remember this, that the Sixers had when they went into the finals and faced off against the Lakers. They lost 4-0 to zero in that final. But the Sixers were a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So it, it's kind of a bad comparison, but the reason why I make this comparison is because it was like Allen Iverson and a bunch of like supporting guys that haven't sniffed the playoffs before that, you know, and it's the same thing here. You have Jimmy Butler and then you have a bunch of, I mean, I would say a bunch of no names that are helping him get to this point. So 
even though the Miami Heat are an eighth seed, and it might not be the most accurate comparison, but I would probably make it because, again, the, the Sixers were still a surprise NBA Finals um, winner, NBA Finals, you know, con, contender there. I mean, they, they went through a bunch of Game 7s. I remember them, you know, beating Toronto and Vince Carter. I remember them beating the Bucks and and Vince Carter. This was a while ago. This was the final, I believe, in 2001 when Kobe and Shaq took down that magical run that the Sixers had. But I would compare it to that. I don't know if you have another comparison that maybe would be more accurate. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, as far as Miami's concerned and, you know, the whole player development thing and so forth, now, I don't know, I have a direct comparison to the, like the, say the NFL. I mean, would it be like, like the Packers organization or not exactly the Patriots because now again, they've won championships, but they've had, you know, really great players when they won those championships. So, so it's a, it's a difficult one to make. And as far as the NBA is concerned, I don't I don't know that any <laughs> anything compares to this. And, you know, I've been, again, watching for many, many years and just trying to think of a team that was like this. I mean, if I go really, really, really far back, I mean, this is like uh, 1975, the Golden State Warriors. And basically they had Rick Barry and a bunch of role players. And they got through the West, which was very unlikely at the time. You had the Lakers weren't quite where, you know, they were going to be yet. This is pre-Magic. I think they had just made the trade for Kareem that year. So they didn't do well in the playoffs. But it was, I remember, Gus Williams and Phil Smith. And, uh, uh, well, actually, Barry was the one that just just carried them. And this was before the three-point line. This was like maybe like the first year that the ABA players came and play the NBA. But anyway, I mean, he gets them to the finals and they end up beating the bullets. Washington bullets was actual, there was a thing back then before everything got politically correct. But that's the one that I can remember where it was just like, okay, they had the one guy and then just a perfect, perfect supporting cast. Gus Williams is a really good player guard ended up playing for uh seattle and won some championships with them as well but when he was really young i think even um before he was jamal wilkes keith wilkes might have been on that team as well but uh yeah that's and again i'm 12 years old (laughs) it was it was a long time ago but that i mean as i'm thinking about it that's really the only one where you had like the one guy and then just everybody else playing perfect team basketball but uh now the other half You've got a team like Denver that even though they're the number one seed in the West, every, I mean, most people that, you know, make predictions and talk about NBA and big name guy, nobody really had them winning this. Everybody was trying to make a case for the Warriors to get back to the finals or the Lakers to get to the finals. I don't know that anybody outside of Denver and their, you know, their fan base really had them going and you watch them play more and more. And again, it's not a direct comparison, but if you can, now I think most of our fans can remember back to maybe the Warriors pre KD where the ball is constantly moving. It's getting in the right hands. Now, again, their main player is a big guy, but Jamal Murray has kind of reestablished himself as that guy. Uh, 
I mean, you remember in the bubble, he and Devon Mitchell were just going crazy. You know, I mean, just, you know, 50 point games left and right. I mean, and then he got hurt and he's kind of taken a while to get back. But just the way they play team basketball, Jokic, you know, he's just a guy. He's not flashy. He doesn't do anything that's going to be, you know, huge sports center highlights or anything like that, but he just makes every play the right way, whether it's getting the rebound, whether it's, you know, hitting a three, whether it's taking it to the basket, he looks awkward doing it. It looks like he's playing in slow motion, but he gets there and he gets it done. So you got to give him his credit. This is, I don't arguably the best player in the league right now. And uh, I don't know how he can be underrated after winning two MVPs in a row, probably should have won a third, but they're up three Oh now on the Lakers and just, Watching those three games really closely, it's just apparent that they're just a much better team than the Lakers. And maybe, I mean, I would have to say the best team playing right now. Yeah, it's amazing just the numbers that he's been putting up. Uh, and Jokic, I just want to remind our listeners, was drafted in the second round, 41st overall. And it just, it reminds me of like, Mono Ginobili story who was drafted by the Spurs you know at the end of the second round I think he's having like the same impact again he's kind of reinventing the center position you know because like we we've gotten so used to uh, guards or you know small forwards dominating the NBA lately shooters right we've kind of forgotten about the big men just in general right there are a few but, I mean, just the things that he does on the court as far as, like, passing, rebounding, scoring, playing defense kind of reminds me of Sabonis because nobody really saw Sabonis in his prime because he came to the Trailblazers when he was, like, in the mid-30s, right? He could shoot the threes, and he was a great passer. But he was a great player in Europe, in Spain, for, like, the longest time. And when he came to the Trailblazers, he already had like bad knees. You know, he was already like at the the tail end of his career. But I would say if he would come over to the States when he was 25, people would see a similar type of game from what we're seeing from Jokic. Yeah, there were some guys that were just their game preceded kind of what the game is now. Right. Because, you know, you have these, you know, center or the five spot. They're not, you know, you know, it's not Kareem, it's not Walton, it's not Moses Malone. These guys that are down on the block, and that's all that they do. They're at, you know, they're spacing the floor. It's more, you know, positionless. I mean, we, you know, I've talked about it, you know, during, you know, with football, but it comes from basketball. I mean, I can re you remember back during the Showtime years, Pat Riley would like his goal was to have like five guys, like six eight, six nine, that could do everything. And that's kind of the way the game has gone. And just, you know, the center position is a little bit different. So now you're starting to see now it's shifting back where everybody was going small and we're going to space the floor and they're still spacing the floor. You, you do see a little bit of bully ball in the, in the playoffs though. And uh, you know, LeBron kind of where he is in his game, that's kind of what, what his, thing is to do because there aren't a lot of big guys on the court that can cover him down low but as far as uh, Jokic is concerned when it's all said and done I think people look back and say oh my god I mean I, I just I, you never really consider him being one of the greats only because again the lack of flash 
the lack of, you know, just highlight real type stuff. It's just consistent. It's, he makes the right plays. He scores, it seems like, at will, and he just makes his team better. So, you know, hats off to him. I would be shocked, you know, if the Lakers come back and win the fourth game. Uh, if they do, they'll get beat in Denver. It's just they are just a much better team. So, all right, that's our basketball. Lou, we never – That's our basketball Lou, hold rant. On. It is, but I wanted to talk about hockey for a couple of minutes because I've been watching the NHL playoffs. This is playoffs all you now. Go. <laughs> you gave praise to the Miami Heat. They're a number eight seed. I also want to give praise to the Florida Panthers. They're also a number eight seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, in the Eastern Conference, and they've been making their presence felt. This is a team, the Panthers, who barely made the playoffs this season, okay? But they quickly overcame their presence. They quickly made their presence known. So Florida overcame a 3-1 deficit against a heavily favored Boston Bruins team to win the series in seven games. So that was already like a shocker. But they continued it, all right? In the second round, they took down the Maple Leafs in five games. Now they're up 2-0 on the Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Final. And they're going back to Florida for game three and four. They've been carried. Uh, their goalie, I, I got to give a shout out here, by to Bobrovsky, who has been around for a very long time. He's been a very solid goaltender. It didn't work out in Philadelphia, but then he became a very good goaltender with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Since he's arrived in Florida, he's had mixed results. And during the regular season, he actually struggled. But in the playoffs, I mean, this man has been on fire. In game two against the Carolina Hurricanes, I think he had like 37 saves. And this is a second straight game against Carolina that they took the game to overtime and they won. The first game, by the way, went into, I think, quadruple overtime. And they won that game three to two. In this one, they won an overtime and took down Carolina two to one. So they seem to be the heavy favorites right now. Again, a team that barely made the playoffs is just doing wonders. And they're being carried by their goaltender, which is an important part, the key to the playoffs. If the goaltender gets hot, if the goaltender gets hot you're going to go a long way. And this is what's happening to the Panthers. So we'll see if they can keep it going. But right now they seem to be the, the heavy favorites going home for game three and four, and this series could be over a lot sooner than I think most people anticipate. And then on the other side, you've got, what, Dallas and Las Vegas, correct? The Western finals. Yes, that's correct. Finals. Um, and Seattle was in it for a while. It seems like the, the NHL, you, the, the path to getting into the playoffs as an expansion team ha, has been, even going back to like Nashville and those teams, it, it does seem like it's a little easier than in the other leagues. I mean, we haven't had expansion in a while in like the NBA or the NFL, but it seems like they struggle for pretty, pretty early on where the NHL teams well, have been pretty decent. Well, it seems like those teams just in general, those uh, the Vegas Knights, when they came in, they, they seemed to have a plan and they went to the NHL final. They went into the Stanley Cup final in their second year. In Seattle, obviously improved a great deal in their second season. 
They took Dallas to seven games. So if you draft well, if you hit on a couple of guys, if you sign those like mid-level exception, uh, mid-level type of guys, if you don't spend too much money, you can get you know the, the expansion drafts. I'm talking about. If you get a pretty good roster, then you get an offensive team together. You can you can do some wonders out there. Seattle has a different blueprint. Vegas is more of a defensive team. Seattle kind of opened it up this year. They're kind of an offensive juggernaut. They seem to be opening up the game. They don't seem to care about defense. They don't have like strong goaltending, but they can score like five, six goals a game. And they see, you know, Ron Francis is their GM and they, they seem to have that the offensive background in there. So I am impressed. Usually you're right. Expansion teams, whoever it is, other sports, right? It takes them a while to build that winner. In hockey, I mean, these teams seem to be managed pretty well. They seem to know what they're doing. And we've seen it with Vegas before. And right now they're playing against Dallas. Maybe they'll go to the Stanley Cup Finals again. And then, obviously, we saw it in Seattle. They had success this season and in the playoffs as well. All right. Well, we'll follow up a little bit uh, next next few shows as, as the finals begin in both major leagues. But here we are. Okay, the schedule release. Again, the NFL is king. Uh, you know, I don't know <laughs> if there'll ever be – I guess if you're in Europe, I don't know if the EPL does anything like this in the offseason. I think maybe it's just like the, the transfer season or their free agency probably gets a little nutty. But as far as the NFL, you know, you get huge ratings watching over three days of players getting picked to teams, right? I mean, just reading names. Then the schedule, we know who's playing whom, we don't know when, and then they release that and the primetime games and everything else, and it's like, okay, everybody gets fired up, and those ratings are, are through the roof, and typically higher than other leagues' games, so it's just, it just amazes me. But let's start off with this. Let's take a look at the number of primetime games for these particular teams and just kind of in clusters and kind of what, what the reaction is. And it, let's start at the top with teams that got six. Now, a few of these you can imagine, wouldn't you? I mean, I mean, the Chiefs, Super Bowl champs, okay, they got six primetime games. Did the Eagles? No, they got five. How about the Bengals? Bengals are really good. Got to the got to the Super Bowl two years ago, uh, two years in a row, AFC championship game. They only got four, but the Cowboys, because of course, Jerry Jones, they are the Cowboys, America's team. Who knows? They got six. Buffalo, it's understandable. They took a little bit of a step back this past year, but you know, they had some, some, obviously some issues some emotional stuff happened to them with DeMar Hamlin and all that. I mean, kind of have to maybe give them a pass in the, in the postseason, just kind of being emotionally spent. And then the Chargers, the L.A. market, I guess, yes, they are going to be better, you would think. But we've been saying this, and everybody's been saying this for years. You're just kind of waiting now. Okay, is this the year for the Chargers? Is this year? What's going to happen? What are they going to do this year? Last year, they made the playoffs. They played the first half and then just melted down. So, But they got six. I don't, any surprise at the omissions or, or the fact that you know maybe one or two of these teams – probably should have been a little, little bit lower on the list. I'm not surprised. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are still America's team. I mean, Jerry Jones 
has the whole, you know, marketing vibe. And most people still root for the Dallas Cowboys, even the ones that, that don't live in Texas. And they play against the Philadelphia Eagles in weeks 9 and 14. So those are going to be like primetime games in that regard. It's it's a rivalry, and, and these teams are going to be, you know, the Eagles are the defending NFC East champions, and the Cowboys weren't far behind last season. So I'm not surprised in that regard. I mean, I mean, if you talk about, if you talk about, obviously the Chiefs deserve to be there, right? Uh, the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers open up in Week One, right, against Tua and the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the the two young quarterbacks battling it out. I think there's a lot of hope that Kellen Moore is going to have a positive effect on Justin Herbert, and he could take his game to another level, like MVP type of level, because. Kellen Moore had a lot of success in developing Dak Prescott, right? So there's a lot of hope that the Chargers are just going to turn into this, you know, passing frenzy offense and Herbert is going to air it out like 40 or 50 times a game without, you know, without even like trailing. Moore is just going to open it up, especially with the weapons that they have. So I'm not surprised. To, To be honest with you, I'm fine with the schedule the way it is and I'm excited to talk, you know, some matchups with you. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, there's, I already mentioned the Miami Dolphins and the Chargers in week one, the Buffalo Bills against the Jets in week one. We'll find out what effect Aaron Rodgers is going to have in New York and and whether he can handle the New York media and and the hype that's going to follow him around in training camp. What I guess the one of the bigger surprises to me is that the Raiders got five primetime games. The Raiders and even Green Bay. I mean, you, you, a lot of question marks at quarterback, but again, they're national. I mean, I guess they're national brands, if you will. But, you know, the Raiders really haven't done much to really, I don't know, warrant this. And now you've got, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, stray comments that you could take any number of ways by Devontae Adams about the, the new quarterback, about the front, about the, the GM, about the coach and their direction that they're going. And it, Again, it's just the I don't they can move wherever they want, but the Raiders organization is always going to be a little goofy. Maybe maybe Brady gets a piece of the team and uh, and he can bring a little a little bit of uh, I don't know, a, a little bit of calmness to the situation or at least get the get the ship going in the right direction. But again, it's just another Patriot. So are they trying to rebuild the Patriots out west? But still, I mean, the Eagles only having five. I, I thought that that was kind of kind of robbery and the, and the Bengals only four primetime games. Uh, but the primetime games, the, the, what they came up with obviously is, is really good. Um, leading off, we talked about our darlings going into last year and it was more, you know, the, the hard knocks thing or whatever about, the, about Detroit lions. They, and I think we even said it leading year. We don't know how many games they're going to win, but they're going to be certainly an interesting team to watch. And late in the year, I think what maybe like the, they won like eight out of their last 10 games. Prime time in Lambeau. They take down the Packers. Say what you will about Aaron Rodgers, where he is in his career, whatever. But they played a damn good game. So here they are now opening the season against the Chiefs in that first game. And it, 
I guess on, on one hand, you're thinking, oh, my God. I mean, they could have – I mean, the Chiefs play the Eagles. They play – I mean, hell, they play the Patriots, but I don't think that was going to be the first game. But they play uh, They play the Jets. They play – I mean, they, they could, Mahomes against Rodgers, which I think is going to end up on, on a Monday night game later in the year. But there was a lot of different ways that, that this could have gone. They played Buffalo again. They play Cincinnati again. Could that, that have been an opener? But they picked the Lions. Were you surprised by that at all? I mean, did you think, you know, maybe they would go for the, you know, a lot more of the meat versus, hey, let's, you know, the Lions are this up and coming team. Let's get them out there. I honestly am looking at the Lions schedule and I can I almost make like a prediction that they should win like 10 or 11 games next season. And if they do, then they'll win that division. I just, I look at that division. I mean, in general, the Packers have Jordan Love. We don't know how that's going to go. Their defense was horrible last year. The Bears are kind of an upcoming team, but a lot of it depends on Justin Fields. And then you have Minnesota. I mean, yeah, they made the playoffs last year, but they still have, what, Kirk Cousins? You don't know if they're going to trade Dalvin Cook. How good is that defense going to be? And they traded, I, honestly I didn't believe- mention this, but they just traded Zadarius Smith, too, which that seemed a little strange. But that, they're, they're certainly primed for a regression. They're not going to win all those low, those close games that they did. This, I mean, I think we liked them going in the last year. I picked them to make the playoffs, not to win 13 games, but there's certainly going to be a regression there. I agree with you. And I just think the Lions look like a logical team that the NFL – people believe we'll take that next step forward because of the way they finished last year this was almost a playoff team the way they were driving it the way they were winning games down the stretch in the end usually a team that finishes strong can carry on that momentum especially if you keep most of the team intact right if you don't lose like most of the guys in that locker room it seems like Detroit is only building on that so I think it's it's a logical like opener for me because you've got the best team in Kansas City or a top three team, and then you have a Lions team that you believe is going to be strong this year in a division that's mostly going to be weak. So it just, I mean, if I'm not a betting man, but I would put the money on the Lions winning that division, okay? And I know that they're probably going to open up as the favorites just because of the way they finished last year. Yeah, I think if you look at some of these uh, some of these totals, I mean, we you know, we haven't gone that far yet. At a certain point here, we'll we'll look at the totals and make our our preseason wagers. But uh, I think they have the the highest number for the NFC North. Uh, yeah, you don't know what you're going to get out of Jordan Love. I mean, you mentioned Fields and then Cousins. Yeah, there's no way Minnesota, you know. It, is going to win all those one score games. I think they were like, I don't know, like 11 and 0 or 11 and one in one score games. I should, it, where it was the year before was the other way. So you're thinking, well, they're going to win some of those this year, but not, not all of them. Right. So I don't know that they've really improved Dalvin cook, you know, that situation looks like it's, uh, it's leaning towards him going they bring in flores but they trade their their best pass rusher so that's kind of a a funny situation there and and the bears hey they got they and the Lions both got four primetime games green bay and minnesota both got five so 
it's going to be an intriguing division. And I think the NFL is betting on the fact that those, that those teams will, will play in some interesting games. And the fact that the AFC West plays the NFC North this year. I mean, I think that helps because, uh, you know, it's just the chargers, you got the chiefs, uh, you know, Denver, you have to believe is going to be better with Sean Payton at the helm. Hopefully Russell Wilson kind of gets his act together and kind of, figures out his place in the team and what he needs to do and play winning football. So that division is going to be better. I don't know what we're going to get from the Raiders. Uh, I love Jimmy G, but uh, just, it, it just always so much noise coming from there, but uh, yeah, going back to the lions, they, they, they had, a, we talked about their draft and it was a little odd, but overall they ended up with, with a lot of good players. It seemed like, uh, maybe not quite the order that everybody expected, but at the end of the day, who cares? You know, they, they took the guys they wanted and they look like a, a nice draft class. But uh, looking at this Sunday night, of course, <laughs> as usual, the Cowboys and the Giants, it seems like every year it's either the opener or it has been in the past before they started doing the whole thing with the Super Bowl winner uh, or it's the Sunday night opener or the Monday night opener. Or it's the four o'clock game. And again, I guess it makes sense again, because it's the Cowboys, the, whether you love them or you hate them, you watch, like you said earlier, Alex, and then you've got the big market, you know, the Giants and they just signed their quarterback to a huge amount of money. Uh, so anyway, that that's that's the Sunday night opener. Then you've got uh, an old matchup, an old like historical matchup from back in the day. You got the Steelers and the Raiders, so that should be a pretty fun one. Then of course you got the Cowboys again. They play in San Francisco, but going down this the Sunday night stretch, of, of course you know every game is pretty good. But then you look at some of these that could be potential clunkers. Uh, Minnesota at Denver. That seems like a little oddball to, to be putting them on the Sunday night game. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you're betting that, that Sean Payton is going to come in and just turn this, you know, Denver team at least into, you know, a more formidable offensive team. And the defense has shined. I mean, they have been good. And they, they seem to have a really good secondary, right? So you would expect that if Russell Wilson improves just a little bit, just a little bit, if, if Peyton can get a few more, you know, uh, a few more things out of that talented wide receiver group, right? If they can get that running game going, if Javante Williams comes back in like week one, which is a question mark, but if he can, then you've got something to work with that last year was kind of... Uh, you know, not you good. Know, they, <laughs> yeah, I, I expected I expected Denver to be in the playoffs, but you know, most people expected that to be honest. Really, with you, dis, with the really Wilson disjointed. Trade. Nobody. It just didn't seem like anybody was really on the same page offensively. Whether it was Hackett deferring to the superstar quarterback in Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson kind of coming in and just trying to be the, the savior, the cowboy with a white hat. I've got my own office. I do it this way. I do like, you know, whatever. And then they try to like push him into an offense that really wasn't built for him. And it just was so clunky. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, that's, let's those be, honest games will be a little bit more competitive. Let's be honest here. Sean Payton knows offensive football. Yeah. I think he has proven that. 
I think he knows how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. He knows his limitations. Russell Wilson is going to be playing with the chip on his shoulder because a lot of people in Seattle threw him under the bus and said he's not the same player. And then what we saw in Denver kind of proved all right. of that. I, I'm just saying that he plays better with the chip on his shoulder when people are doubting him. He's been doubted all of his life. So he's got something to prove in 2023. Sean Payton coming back. You know, he wasn't coaching, right? He wants to show people that, hey, I, I've still got it. I can develop this quarterback. I can get him back on the right track. And if I get him back, then we, we're going to have a very formidable offense, even in that tough division. So I just think all things are aligning perfectly for Denver to have a, a step up. This is a playoff caliber team. They have that capability. So I'm not surprised that they're pushing him into, into prime time. So looking f- further down the list, well, again, you know, potential clunkers. You got Dolphins at the Patriots. Again, you're like halfway through the year. You're kind of hoping that, that Tua can stay healthy because he seemed to, you know, when he was healthy, they were a pretty damn good team. Uh, what's, you know, what's going to go with going on with Mac Jones? Is he still going to be the quarterback at that time? We're going to see Bailey Zappi by that point. Uh, how does O'Brien kind of switch the offense around? Do they have, you know, wide receivers that can get, can separate and get open and get, get the ball. So a lot, a lot of question marks there, but I guess the biggest thing is, Hey, if two is healthy and those receivers are, are rolling and McDaniels kind of, you know, incorporates a little bit more of the run game to take some pressure off of two and, and minimize the hits. That could be a pretty good team there. The following week, the chiefs at the jets, we finally get Mahomes and Rogers. Uh, they've played a couple of times uh, over the last few years, but whether it was COVID uh, there was a suspension and Mahomes was hurt the one time. So this will be the first time, but it'll be in New York with the jets. So uh, that should be a pretty fun one there. Um, Bears at Chardon. Again, that's a weird later in the year. What are the Bears at that point? I mean, are you are you confident that Justin Fields is going to I mean, with the added weaponry, if you would, and and hopefully improved offensive line that he can kind of get that ship rolling? I think he'll improve, but I just I have my doubts about the rest of the the, the Chicago Bears team. I mean, is this a playoff caliber team, even of Fields? plays well i'm not sure i don't think their defense is as good as as it was a couple of years ago this isn't the same team this is still a team a year away i still think that the lions are the number one team in that division i think fields can become a better passer but i just don't think that he has the weapons working for him where the bears can take this team where this team could go into the playoffs where they should i just think it's still uh, ways away okay they're building it they're drafting some pieces like you said offensive line i think they're trying to get field some weapons but i just i'm not confident i'm putting my money on the lines okay in that division and i think that's the only team that's probably going to win that's probably going to make the playoffs that that's just my opinion well I, again i mean i you can, I don't know that you can really – there's a lot of question marks, obviously, in, in that division, and that'll play out. And, you know, hopefully the young quarterbacks can kind of get things going. Uh, a couple of weeks later, again, I mean, the Ravens, now that this whole Lamar business is kind of behind them, at least for the next few years, 
they bring in OBJ. They drafted Zay Flowers. It seems like they're they're making some, obviously, some improvements to their offense. Todd Munkin comes in to run the offense, so we're probably going to see a little bit more of uh, a vertical passing game, uh, a little bit more Lamar throwing versus versus a lot of a lot of called runs but again the defense was the one that was really suspect last year where they gave up some big leads late in games uh they lost uh well i don't know if they lost him yet i mean marcus peters is still out there i don't think they're going to bring him back they probably would have by now if they were going to but uh what you know what, what are you what how are you feeling about the ravens right now are you are you uh, optimistic about them becoming one of the top three or four teams in the AFC again, or do you see them maybe taking a step back to kind of figure out the new offense and what they're going to do on the defensive side? How do you feel about them? I'm looking at their schedule, and I just think that the Ravens' schedule kind of lines up really well for them, especially early on in the season. They are playing like at the Bengals, at Pittsburgh, but then the rest of the games are winnable. They have a Thanksgiving game at LA Chargers, but only like the last four or five games of the season do they have a challenge like going for them. They play at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, like versus Miami, and they finish versus the Steelers. I like the way their schedule lines up in the first half of the season. And I think the Ravens could be one of those top teams going into the final month of the season. So I just I always look at the schedule, Lou, and I look at the teams that they're playing. And they play like at Arizona versus Seattle versus Cleveland. And I just a lot of favorable matchups for the Ravens where it makes me think that they're going to win a ton of games like the first, you know, three months of the season. Well, I mean, they kind of had Cincinnati in the ropes in the playoffs with Huntley starting at quarterback. So you got to they're always going to be there. Right. It's just a matter. OK, can they get over get over the top in the playoffs? Can Lamar be healthy in the playoffs and then perform the way they've paid him now? So no more excuses. Um Let's see, as we move down, another intriguing matchup with uh, another Ravens, yeah, Ravens and uh, and the Jaguars, which we haven't talked about. Uh, the AFC South, which, again, is going to be a huge question. Right? A lot of young quarterbacks in that division. Uh, but, uh, yeah, with, with Jacksonville coming on, do you see them kind of capitalizing on their ascension last year? I love Doug Peterson. Lawrence, I think he's the real deal. He's going to continue his ascension. I mean, in my opinion, and I think they're they've got to be the favorites in that division right now. But again, you you can't ever discount you know the way Tennessee plays. If they get decent quarterback play, it always seems like they're going to be in games. And if they win some of you know win more than they lose, they're going to be you know a dangerous team. Now, dangerous team to maybe win the division. But if they don't win the division, you know, are they good enough to get a wild card spot? All these tough teams in the AFC, I don't know. But Jacksonville certainly is on the uptick. And I think they're just, you know, they, they've got a bright future. I think the Jaguars are going to be a top three team in the, in the you know, in the conference. Uh, I just think that in the AFC, behind like the Chiefs and the Bills. I actually would put the Jaguars ahead of Cincinnati. And that's just how highly like I believe of Peterson 
and what I we all saw from Trevor Lawrence last year. I just think this is a team that is on on the uptick, on the rise. I don't see that there are a lot of matchups that they can't win. They play like versus Kansas City at Buffalo versus San Francisco and versus Cincinnati. That's like four games that probably probably will be tough to win, but then the rest of them. I mean, this is a team that could go like 13 and 4 based on what I'm seeing. And I I believe this is going to be an easy walk for them in this division. You've got Houston, you know, Tennessee, and then they've got Indianapolis. Houston and the Colts are rebuilding. I mean, the you mentioned that the Titans might give it a last go because they play so hard for Vrabel, but I just think they're they're going to be limited. You know, Derrick Henry and Tannehill are not what they were a couple of years ago. So, and their defense is okay, but but not great. I think the Jaguars are going to win. Like, are going to run away with this division. I think they're going to be a top three team in the AFC. All right, so you got a lot of great Sunday night games. The ESPN schedule, looking at theirs, uh, they much much better they're getting much better quality games i think this is the first year also uh that there's no i don't want to say there's no affiliates but i think you have fox was able to bid on afc games uh cbs was able to bid on nfc games and espn has has gotten some some good ones i mentioned uh earlier that the eagles see super bowl rematch uh that's much later in the year that's uh right before thanksgiving uh, so, and, but just going right down the list, right off the top, you've got, uh, you got Buffalo going to the Jets. So they're not fooling around first week, Monday night, let's get it going. Allen versus Rogers. So, so that's, that's a good one there. And then two weeks in a row where they have double headers. Uh, and I think maybe even one of them, the games start at the same time. Uh, don't quote me there, but it's, uh, it's pretty close, but you've got Saints Panthers, uh, so you got division ma- divisional matchup there as well as Brown Steelers, which is always big, especially in the part of the world that I live in. Uh, and then you've got Eagles Bucks. Eh, that's got a potential to be a clunker. And then Rams at Bengals. So again, those are the double header games. But other ones going into the sea, you got Ravens uh, Niners late in the year on Christmas. Uh, Lions versus Cowboys near the end of the year, right? I think right around crisp or uh, new year's Eve. So good game there. Bengals at Jags. Uh, what else we got here? Cowboys at chargers, Niners at uh, Vikings. So yeah, they, you know, some potential clunkers in there, but they got some really good ones as well. Uh, Seattle at the giants. I think Seattle's going to be an improved team with that one, one year under his belt as, as the clear cut starter for Gino. But, uh, yeah, it look, looks like a pretty decent schedule there. But uh, one of the teams that we really haven't hit, I guess, was that was the team where I was was going to focus on was Seattle. What, what are your thoughts there? Do you see them moving forward with Geno or do you see them taking a step back because that was just kind of lightning in the bottle one year and he's just going to go back to being Geno? It's going to be tough for me to jump on the Geno Smith bandwagon. Certainly, he certainly surprised me last year. They put him in in a good position to succeed. He wasn't asked to like win games for them, and again, they put him in a lot of favorable matchups, and he did great. I mean, through like the first month of the season, he looked like an MVP 
candidate. But the truth is, you are what you are. And just you, you might have one of those seasons that you just play lights out and you finally feel comfortable. But man, Lou, it rarely happens. Like you're in the league for like eight, nine years, and all of a sudden, like people believe in you and you become this quality starter. I just think he's he's gonna go back down to earth and I think he's gonna go back to being Gino from what we've seen in, in previous years. So I believe Seattle is going to take a step back next so year. So I mean, I would, just as they, you know, Pete Carroll's recipe, if you would, they're going to lean on the running game. Uh, they're going to lean on their defense, and hopefully, Geno can make some plays. But then you look at you look at the weapons that they have with Metcalf and Lockett. They bring in Jackson Smith and Jigba. It seems like no matter who they roll out at tight end, undrafted guys, late round guys, that they all somehow distly or whoever they bring in, uh, you know, it makes plays. So you, it looks like they could be a pretty decent offense. But again, it's all going to come down to the trigger, man. And uh, love Gino, you know, obviously West Virginia guy, I, you know, a lot of friends that are that are alums uh, and, you know, went to many a game down there, saw Gino play a couple times live. So I have a soft spot for him. So hopefully, you know, he can kind of keep it rolling. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I think it just it just screams again. I hate to use the term, but I have a couple times today, but there's going to be some regression there for sure. How about a Black Friday game? First one, Amazon Prime. Uh, they're going to be. I think it's the Jets and the and and the Dolphins. So a Friday game. Usually that's that was reserved for some. Uh, and again, it's kind of tapered off. I mean, in the past, you would get like Michigan, Ohio State on that day. Uh, years ago, Oklahoma, Nebraska, you know, it was a big deal. Now I think it's like, you know, like Missouri, Arkansas and some other lower leagues. So I don't think it's uh, you know too big of a step. But again, the NFL taking another day away from college football. And uh, I guess I'm here for it. Well, it is the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time that they've done this. And obviously, I mean, we've all gotten used to college football kind of having a game or two on that day now the nfl is just i guess in about five years the nfl is going to be rolling out games monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday i think that's what it's going to be you know like you mentioned at the top of the show the nfl rules the day they've got the draft they've got the schedule and i just have a feeling that down the line it's not just going to be sunday game and monday night games it's going to be like with all these different stations rolling out and with Amazon growing and having interest to include more games. I just think, you know, they're definitely going to rule, you know, the fall schedule. And they're definitely going to try to take away and fill in that schedule like a lot more than just Thursday night game or Monday night game or Sunday. I think we're going to see it like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I have no doubt that they're going to try to compete. And then obviously later on at the end of the season, we see a few Saturday night games and and they include that. So the NFL sooner or later is just going to become like they're going to rule every weekday of our life and you're here for that right lou i mean who cares about well, that they, well, let them here. fill in the schedule every day of the week well the only way they can continue to grow is either more teams 
or more games on TV. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, anymore going to a game has become almost secondary. The bit, all the money comes from TV and they're taking to the streaming piece. Obviously they started with Amazon. Uh, they moved the Sunday ticket to YouTube TV. We'll see how that goes. And they also announced recently that uh, one of the, the opening weekend wildcard that Peacock, the NBC streaming service, is going to have a playoff game. They're really leaning into kind of the, the future of the way television is going. So more money, more money, more money. All right. So before we get out of here, there is a Thursday night schedule and it was a little bit of a clunker again last year, but uh, some decent matchups. You got Lions, Packers. Well, actually, no, I mean, week three, Giants at San Francisco. So that might be a good one. They've got week 11. They've got the Bengals at the Ravens. And, you know, you can make a case for for any number of these games being decent, but just kind of like the, the bigger names out there. But I guess the, those are the two, the two games that you'd say, okay, regardless, they're going to have like an elite quarterback and they're playing each other. Uh, week six, the Broncos at the Chiefs. So that, you know, barring any injuries, should be a pretty decent game. They open week two. They've got the Vikings at Philadelphia, which again, five primetime games for Philadelphia and uh, not six. I, I still can't get over that, that, that the Chargers and the Bills got six and the Eagles didn't. So anyway, uh, yeah, there you go. Thursday night. What do you think? Are, are you are you a fan of the Thursday night game? I am not. Uh, I sarcastically said that, you yeah, know, we're going to have the NFL here. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I am not. <clears throat> I am more a, a fan of that the NFL is for the weekend, for Sunday, and then Monday night games have been here for as long as I can remember throughout my lifetime. I'm not a big fan of Thursday night, and I think last year, you're right, it was just a bunch of clunkers. Uh, you know, teams, they weren't competitive games at all, and and I don't think that, you know, the the ratings were that good, uh, maybe in the beginning, but they weren't good. Like teams weren't, uh, people weren't staying up to watch the second half because the game was already out of hand. So that, that's not good. That's not competitive. I'm not here for the, for the Thursday night games. But yeah, there are a few intriguing matchups yeah. and obviously they're trying to do their best and and we'll see what happens. I mean, the Chiefs against Denver is is a heck of a game. Yeah, the short the short week, you know, I mean, players you know, hate it. I mean, obviously they get they get paid, they sign contracts, they make a ton of money, so they're going to roll them out. But you know, as the year go, get you get later in the year as well, you know, teams are like gasping for that buy, you know, to kind of get get themselves right or at least as close to one hundred percent as they could be. Uh, but now they're even talking about, you know, having the ability to flex into Thursday night, you know, not only a short week, but now all of a sudden it's on short notice. Uh, again, they haven't voted for that yet. It's supposed to be coming up really soon, the owners. But um, and then also they're I think they put off again the the uh, approval of the new ownership group for uh, the commanders. Josh Harris uh, owns the Sixers, the Devils. Uh, Magic Johnson's part of that group, and there's some other names as well. But uh, it looks like that deal is going to go through. It's just a matter of uh, when they. Find, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any trouble, you know, approving uh, a new owner in, in D.C. So, uh, real quick, uh, and 
maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more next week as we're running short on time. Uh, the deal's coming up. We haven't heard too much. I think the first chirp out of Burrow, because you got Burrow and Herbert are next on the list. You know, they're going to, you know, Lamar's, Lamar's at the top right now, again, as far as average per year. But you got to look at these contracts, how much cash flow or in the first three years and everything else that goes along with it. But, you know, Burrow and Herbert are the next two up. Uh, and then once they're done, you got to believe Mahomes deal is going to get redone. But then you also have Dak hanging out there. He's going into the third year of his four year, 160 million dollar deal is dallas gonna get like re-up for dak you gotta believe they are but are they really gonna go much further than they have with him so uh, a lot of intriguing stories there what i mean do you have like a favorite one or one that you're really looking at deeply here alex i just want to see how high these these figures are going to be for burrow and herbert i think they're going to be in close territory I think Burrow deserves to become the, the highest paid quarterback out of the next group uh, just based on the guys that are due for an extension because he is one of the, the best quarterbacks in the league, not just the, the best young quarterbacks, just the best quarterbacks in general. So he deserves it. And I think Lamar is, you know, is here to stay for another month or two, but I think Burrow will get that deal done. And uh, again, like I mentioned before, with Kellen Moore coming over from the Dallas Cowboys, I think he's going to make Herbert uh, an even more exciting quarterback. And that's why I think that that, that deal is also going to be through the roof. I just want to see how high. And don't forget, your boy is also going to get an extension. Okay, with all these quarterbacks getting these big deals, knowing that Patrick Mahomes is still the best player in the game, you know that deal is going to come as well. Right, and I think, you know, the way that his deal is set up, it's very team-friendly in the way that they can kind of manipulate the numbers into uh, salary, into signing bonuses and different things and mechanisms that they've already put into place, and they don't have any problem paying him. I mean, they know what he's done for that city, for the team, for everybody. And I think not so much an extension, but maybe they'll just kind of like redo the whole deal because it's it was a ten year deal, but it was he still had two years on his rookie deal. So actually it turned into like a 12 year contract. So, but I think once those numbers hit, I think it would be wise for them to do that. But, you know, again, and Burrow even said, I mean, in the last week or so, he was asked about it, at, you know, after an OTA or something like that, uh, that he's, he didn't say it in so many terms, but basically the, the gist was he's not looking to break the the Bengals salary cap. He wants his guys with them. You can have be the best quarterback, but if you don't have the guys around you and they're sitting there looking at T Higgins and then in a couple of, in another year or so, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, I think next year and you know Higgins is still sitting there and I think they really want to get that thing done pretty soon, but I'm sure Burrow will come first and then uh, that'll give them some, some cap space and so forth. All right, before we get out of here, uh, we got to pay respect to, uh, you know, arguably the greatest player ever passed away uh, in the last couple of days, Jim Brown. Now, you know, I always talk about how old I am. Uh, never got to see Jim Brown play outside of, you know, NFL films and highlights. But anybody that I've talked to that did see him play or have heard speak on him has always been in complete reverence. Uh, you know, he's probably like Derrick Henry way before Derrick Henry, the guy, uh, he played nine years. 
Uh, I think he led the league in rushing eight of the nine years. He won three MVPs. He's the only player in history to average uh, over 100 yards per game rushing. Um, But he was a lot more than that uh, off the field and activist. And so I'm sure he had his problems through the years and maybe not the the best – you know, the, the best guy in certain situations, but at the end of the day, great player, did a lot for, uh, I guess, communication among gangs, for civil rights, a lot of different things. So let's let's focus on the positive and just uh, rest in peace, Jim Brown. Well said, Lou. All right. So until next week, that was Alex. I'm Lou. Peace.